Welcome to the Doggy Dojo. I'm your host, Susan Light, a Los Angeles-based dog trainer on a quest to become worthy of the title Sensei of the Doggy Dojo. Today we're talking about advocating for your dog, why you might need to, and how to do it. Joining me is someone who makes it easier for everyone to be an advocate through the company she co-founded, Woof Culture. She first started out in the dog industry as a certified professional dog walker, turned certified trainer while living in San Francisco, and realized there was a big gap in the positive reinforcement community. Quality, cool, and nerdy t-shirts to wear while out training with her clients and personal dogs. She is the main face behind Wolf Culture and handles everything from social media to customer service emails and making sure orders get moving. Her whole mission for Wolf Culture is to help spread the word of more humane training methods through her gear by creating shirts for trainers, dog nerds, and behaviorists, and anyone who loves working with their animals in a positive and humane way. She's very passionate about only using humane training methods and always making sure the animals in her care are advocated for in all situations. I'm so pleased to welcome Mandy Bowtell. Mandy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming by. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm happy to chat with you about all this fun stuff. I'm super excited. So I know this is a topic that is near and dear to your heart. Very and much so. Most positive reinforcement dog trainers, probably. But so, what do we mean when we mean advocating for our dogs? It's a little bit hard to put in a nutshell, but uh, what are we talking about? For me, I feel like it just means speaking up for them because, you know, your animals, your dogs, they aren't able to voice when they don't feel comfortable in the situation, whether it be pain or just uncomfortable, fear, any of that stuff. And I think it just means, you know, being the voice for the voiceless. That's been my main thing of kind of how I've approached with Woof Culture is just trying to speak up for the ones that can't speak and making sure that their needs are met and they're not being made to feel uncomfortable at all. I love that. So I feel like sometimes people, to, to know, they need to study a little bit of canine body language, which I didn't really have down in our notes to talk about today, but um, <laughs> I guess it's part and partial. Like sometimes it's on the owner to really understand that they're putting their dogs in this uncomfortable position as well. Mm -hmm, definitely. Um, there are plenty of really good resources out there, as I'm sure you know and have spoken about as well. Uh, my main one that comes to head is... Uh, Lily Chin's doggy drawings, her book Absolutely. that she came out, such a good reference. And I know she also has that chart that you see pretty much anywhere from any trainer of Boogie. And it's just all his different body reactions to certain situations. I feel like that is a great place to start if you're trying to understand dog body language for sure. Yeah, I think I should do an episode all about that at some point. So we oh, won't absolutely. linger too long. <laughs> but um, I think part of it stems from the fact that our gut instinct as humans who like dogs, when we see a dog in public, mm -hmm. is kind of opposite. Of, of what, what it should be. <laughs> of what's positive. I remember right. one of the first like infographics that I posted on my Instagram a long time ago was a breakdown of on one side it was um, what an excited dog lover does when they see a dog and what an informed dog lover does when they see oh, a I dog. Oh, I love that. 
and the response was really like oh my god i'm ruining dogs like everybody felt right. so upset and it's like we just don't understand like our instinct of showing this dog that we love them is kind of opposite it's about what we need and we really need to flip the paradigm into what they need mm -hmm. definitely i i think another thing is just the whole dog culture has shifted so much even in the last you know, sure, 10 years, but even the last five years, things have really shifted a lot. Um, and I think when you see a dog and you're like, oh my God, they're so cute, especially if it's a puppy or a big fluffy one, and you're just like, oh my God, I need to say hi to them. I think it really just helps when you kind of approach it and just look at every dog as they could be fearful. Mm -hmm. And maybe they just don't want to say hi. And I think the most appropriate thing to do is just, you know, don't make eye contact with the dog and just look at the owner and be like, oh, your dog's so cute. Or just keep walking and say it in your head. I know it's so hard to fight that urge sometimes, but you got to think of what the dog could be feeling in a situation like that. I know for sure I have a pandemic puppy and she is not okay with people approaching her and I have to have a whole skit of like what I have to say to people if they do want to say hi to her. Oh, I'm super excited to break that down. <laughs> but uh, that's part of what I, I just want people to understand is like, we need to change the new normal to be yes. ignoring the dogs. There's somebody with an account and I'll, I'll have to look it up and link it because they have named their account ignore my dog. They have made their whole brand ignore my dog. And I know they do shirts as well. Mm -hmm. um, they're trying to just get that out of like, just ignore yeah. my dog. Yeah, they're not here. It's the best. Because as trainers, we're always telling people like, don't let your dog greet people on leash, especially the puppies. Like, mm -hmm. let's not let them greet people or dogs on leash. Uh, and they're like, but people are so mean if I say they can't pet my dog. That's uh, a them problem, not a you problem. <laughs> absolutely. But it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. of course. So let's say that the first step to advocating for your dog is being willing to have strangers uh, be upset with you. Yeah, I think um, one of the things I really had to, when, when we got Fern, our pandemic puppy, is we had to go in thinking like she is probably going to be afraid of people. She is not <laughs> desensitized to seeing people all the time. She has been in our house most of the time. Um, and so of course, when she was a baby, we got her at about 13 weeks, um, right. As soon as she got her shots, we started taking her out and, and people would just be like, Oh my God, is that a puppy? Can we say hi? She's so cute. And I would just be like, Hey, she's a pandemic puppy. She's fearful of people and is pretty shy. I do have some really awesome treats. If you wouldn't mind giving her some, and could you toss them behind her or over her head? Um, and people will either give me a weird look and be like, no. And I'd be like, okay, well, sorry, you can't say hi. Or, you know, they'd be like, yeah, sure. And I'm just, I'm very gracious and grateful for them. And I just say, oh, thank you so much. Like, this is really helpful for her so that she's not afraid of people. We're working on people not being scary for her. And I will say nine times out of 10, people will gladly do that. Yeah. That's awesome. But that takes a lot of effort on your part. Absolutely. To set those boundaries. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing wrong. Absolutely nothing wrong. And I used to say this to clients all the time. If you just say, nope, can't say hi. 
It, yeah. There is nothing wrong with saying no and being short and moving on. It's your dog and you're advocating for what they can handle. Yeah. And I would say this is the one issue that the pandemic actually helped. It I did. mean, in one way, it made it worse. You know, we're talking about the pandemic puppies not being able to have opportunities for socialization, right. obviously. But as far as like being the new normal to if you see someone walking to just cross the street and not get within six feet of them, yes. that's actually like the best case scenario. If you want to think about like how to act with the dog, just just keep this habit. Mm -hmm. uh, being Absolutely. Like, when you're six feet away, smile and cross the street. And, and that was the polite thing to do during the pandemic. That is definitely the polite, positive, proactive thing to do when you see a dog, to be honest. Oh yeah. I, I mean, even when, before the pandemic, I would see people walking their dogs, I'd go off in the gutter and get out of the way. Cause I'm just, you never know how a dog's going to feel passing a person. And I'd rather not subject them to any stress. Absolutely. So I hope people are hearing that, you know, it's not, it's not mean. Uh, yes, people may not take it well. You know, I don't know if you have horror stories of people losing it when, because you just wouldn't let them pet your cute dog, but I know they're out there. <laughs> they're, they are out there. They definitely like, are. <laughs> but these are not people worth losing any, you know, time worrying about. And chances are they're not someone you really want saying hi to your dog anyway, because that's usually someone that is, doesn't know how to read body language and smothers the poor dog with affection. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about the scripts and strategies. Cause sometimes I know some owners will literally have their clients rehearse somebody Skits. coming up and wanting, yeah, to pet the dog. And I think it's a great idea and it makes people feel a little more comfortable than trying to figure it out on the fly the first time it happens in real life. Oh, absolutely. I, since my husband and I are both former trainers, I'm like, we need to have a spiel to say for Fern because I don't want to deal with people approaching her. And so we totally practice that with ourselves of like, okay, what are we going to say if someone comes up to us? Um, I will say if you do have a shy or fearful dog, but they do warm up to people relatively fast like Fern does, have really awesome treats with you for situations like this. So I like to carry like a potpourri of mixed treats and I will just say like, Oh, she's really shy. But if you wouldn't mind tossing treats past her, you can do that. Otherwise, you know, we can't really say hi. Um, there's that side or, you know, if your dog is very reactive to people, people just aren't their jam. That's okay. And you can just say, oh, sorry, we, we don't say hi to people. They're fearful. Or you can just say, no, we're not saying hi and avoid them. Yeah. And the thing about a reactive dog, which anyone that's working with a reactive dog knows, is that if you keep enough distance, like your goal is to not see the reaction. That's right. Like keep enough distance that you're keeping the dog comfortable. So it can be difficult for people to understand what you're saying from 15 feet away. Right. You know, don't, exactly. Don't. So you have to sometimes be the proactive and, and you know, hopefully not. I do. I have one colleague who literally she crossed the street and the person like followed and she had to turn around and be like, stop following us. Oh my God. Yeah. She was like, I need to buy pepper spray. That's like worst case scenario situation, <laughs> I will say. But um, just, I, you know, I feel like people pick up on human body language quicker than they do with dogs just because they don't understand it yet. So, I mean, your body language can display, we don't want to say hi, you know, turning around, crossing the street, going behind a car, 
there are other ways you can display that you don't want to say hi and you don't want to interact without having to vocalize it. Or you can wear your wolf culture shirt that says, my dog doesn't want to say hi. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Or the ignore my dog. Yes. yes. So that, I, that's a perfect segue to talk about. You have totally transitioned your whole business into basically <laughs> helping people advocate for po- all kinds of positive reinforcement training. But a lot of your shirts would totally work for pet parents who they say, you know, yes, we're training, give us some space. No, mm-hmm. you can't say hi, those kinds of things. And I think that's awesome. And people should definitely check out your website, which I will link because um, it can be a great way to open the conversation or, or get your message across. Thank you. Yeah, I, I definitely, it's funny. I didn't think it would turn into what it is now. Mainly we were just geared towards trainers, but now I, th- I think having more experience with my clients over the years, uh, I realized I'm like, they need something that says what they're doing and people need to back off. And I just, you know, there needs to be a way to do that. And so actually one of my former puppy clients, they had a really bad situation at a dog park and he became um, fear reactive. And so I told her and we set up a whole training plan and I was like, you know, it would really help if you got one of these shirts that I sell and it, it would help to avoid situations. And she bought shirts that said, you know, my dog doesn't want to say hi, give us space, all like every single shirt like that. And she was like, it's helped so much. Like people actually will read. I'm like, yes, because you are a walking billboard advocating for what your dog needs. And Absolutely. I feel like that's what the shirts are. They just, they make you a walking billboard, like especially the um, reactive dog social distancing before it was cool. Reactive dog owners will totally get that. They're the OG social distancers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, they do make leashes that say these things as well. Yes, and, harnesses yeah. and I mean, you can shout it from the rooftop with gear, basically. Be a sandwich uh, board of yep. you don't want to say hi. <laughs> and sometimes that's what it takes because if your dog is adorable and it's not actively reacting, they just don't get it. No. And then so, they'll come up and, and then they'll be like, oh, why did that happen? Yeah, I was I was literally because I was working out outdoors with a lot of clients during the pandemic. I was <laughs> at a park with this dog that was a barker, a little terrier. And this like 2-year-old toddled up and th- oh, they're God. like, "Can they say hi?" And we're like, "No, you know, he's he's going to scare him cuz he's going to bark." And they're like, "Oh." And then the dog barked at him and scared him and the baby's crying and they're oh. looking at us like we're jerks. And we're like, "We just told you." Literally just told you. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you're just going to shake your head and, and be like, I can't have done anything else. As long as you're, you're speaking up for the dog and saying what needs to be said, you can't control humans, unfortunately. We've got to take a quick break, but there are links in the show notes to Wolf Culture's Instagram, Facebook, and website. The link I've listed offers a special 15% one-time discount for my listeners. If you want to get some Wolf Culture gear, I've got a bunch of it. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, you can also use the discount code DOGGYDOJO, D-O-G-G-Y-D-O-J-O, at checkout. We'll be right back. So we've been talking a little bit about what you're doing like out on walks, these are mostly strangers or neighbors. Um, but what about like with friends and family? Cause it's not just 
strangers that sometimes want to push the boundaries. Yeah. Friends and family can be a little harder too, just because, you know, they think, oh, we're family, we're related. Like we don't need to follow the protocol when they absolutely do. Um, I think one thing is just really being firm with, look, this is what is needed for our dog. This is the situation we're in and this is how you can help. And if you don't want to help, then, you know, we can't, hang out in certain situations, yeah, where, you know, our dog is going to be subjected to stress. So for Fern, again, we were dealing with family coming over and it was still really spooky for her to have people coming in the house. It was terrifying. So we just said, hey, walk in, ignore her, please. We're going to give you guys treats. We have a jar of treats by the front door, toss treats over her head, and then can you walk away behind the baby gate and ignore her for a little bit? And luckily our family was willing to do that. Um, But, you know, I've also had friends come over and they've just walked up to my dog and I'm like, no, 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 that's not going to work. And I've just had to go put Fern away because they're not going to listen. So and then I've said, you know, if you're going to come to my house, please follow this protocol so that my dog does not feel stressed in her own environment. And you know what? Hire a trainer and blame the trainer. I always absolutely my, just yes. tell them. My trainer says I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to do that. You can't do that. You have to do this. This is what they said, and it's true. Uh, but you can lie and say that. But why not? Why not get some help? And they can help you script it. They can help you practice it. And then you can blame them. Yes, and that's something I always told my clients. I'm like, blame me. Put the blame on me. They can, you know, reach out to me if they're uncomfortable with it. But we're just. We're trying to make that your dog feel good. We don't need to worry about other people. Yeah. So let's <laughs> talk about when you, because this is an unregulated industry. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of professionals out there who uh, are going to try to do things to your dog that you aren't going to like either. And so that is a really difficult situation for people to be in because um it's a position of trust, right? They're professional. You're assuming that they're doing well. I mean, I just had this whole conversation with my puppy class on Saturday about grooming and cooperative care. And, uh, one of my clients who has a standard poodle, she's like, but don't they have to go through certification things to be groomers? Cause we were talking about like how traumatic a bad grooming can be, Mm -hmm. um, and how they kind of manhandle them. And she was shocked to know that absolutely not. You there are programs available to certify groomers, but you don't have to go through one. And the person that you take your dog to at PetSmart may or may not, you know what I mean? Right. And exactly. I said, also with grooming, unfortunately, because I did interview a groomer, my very first episode, she said when she went through her training, they taught those techniques of course. Right. They're not, they're not fully R plus yet. I think there's like a few programs that do focus on that but not many do it's more of just get it done absolutely I was like you have to think from their perspective they've got 10 dogs to do they're throwing a muzzle on them that they have one of those slip muzzles usually Mm -hmm. hasn't been trained hasn't been desensitized they're holding them down they're they're up in every bit of their body I was like just just imagine it and you can see what's going on and some of them are just really really shocked to think that this is what's going on when they're dropping their dog at the groomer so what do you do and it's not just groomers and i'm not attacking groomers because they're professionals they're it's their job is hard they're trying to get it done but uh, you know I, i'm all for the holistic and cooperative care grooming if if you can do that for your dog but uh vet techs vets you know other a trainer you might go hire a trainer and they're starting to show you things you're not comfortable with 
Um, I, that is, I, I wish there was more regulation in programs. And I mean, even most vets, unless they are certified fear-free vet clinic, or they practice predominantly R plus methods, um, they're not going to really know because I know a lot of, um, vet schools and, you know, vet tech stuff, they don't even really cover how they just want the dog in and out. They just handle it, get it done. Same with grooming. Um, I feel like that's, that's, it's hard when it comes to trainers, because I feel like if, as soon as you hear someone say something, as far as like inserting punishment or pain, if that doesn't sound right to you and it's, you know, your dog isn't going to learn in an environment like that, I would just say, okay, um, we will be looking into other trainers mm-hmm. or, you know, just say, I don't think this is going to work. And I think that's okay. You don't really need to give a response to that. Um, if you're thinking of going to a groomer, I would, you know, walk in without your animal and just see if you can like see how the dogs look in the environment. If you can see the dogs in the back and see how the situations get handled for that aspect. I think I'm a little more versed with vets just because I have had to be so adamant with our vets because of Fern and her being a pandemic puppy. I actually had a horrible experience when she was a baby um, Mm. before she like, I think she had just hit 16 weeks and she had gotten her last shot. It was just like a checkup appointment after adopting her. And of course it was peak pandemic because it was January of this year. So I couldn't go in with her and I just had all the anxiety. I'm like, my puppy's going in. I can't handle her. What if they traumatize her? Like I've been working on cop- proper care nail work with her so that she's okay with handling. Like, oh, and I just had a panic attack in the car. And then they brought her out and the first thing they say to me is, oh, she did great. We trimmed her nails. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, why did you trim her nails? And they were like, oh, it's part of the protocol to get her used to it. And I was like, no, you did not ask my permission. And now Mm -hmm. I will be finding another vet. And they were just shocked that I was just like, well, you didn't ask my permission to do this to my animal. And you just subjected her to this stressful situation. Now I'm never coming to your office. Um, and so that's one thing, like I have had to make sure with other vets is, okay, you're not trimming her nails, right? You're not doing this. Like, and luckily our new vet, they're like, oh no, like if they're not comfortable with something, we will not do it. And I'm like, thank God, like we need more vet clinics like you people. And so now like going into the vet is a good situation. And I think this is the first time I've ever walked into a vet's office and my dog isn't afraid to go in. She walks in confidently, and that's because I've worked very hard with the vet techs. Um, Like, they've gone to take her thermometer check and everything, and I'm just like, hey, she's not really great with that. And they're like, okay, like, I'm going to let her smell it. If she's just not okay with being touched and stuff, we won't do it. And anytime, you know, I'm like, oh, she's not comfortable, they're like, okay. And so, like, the vet will sit on the floor and wait and work with me, but Again, I think that is you just walking in confidently and saying, hey, this is the situation. How can we work together to make this work? And if your vet is just like, no, we need to get them in and out, that's not the vet for you. And it's okay to find the professional that works best 
for you and your dog. You do not have to go just because it is closer to your house. I think it's worth finding somewhere that you know your dog is going to feel safe and confident and you have the support when you need it most. Absolutely. And it's important for people to hear that there are tons of vets out there. Tons. There are tons of groomers out there. Um, you know, it it's kind of hard to find holistic groomers and fear-free groomers. And I, I mean, there's a dearth of them. I, I hope that some people will go into that because there's a huge need for it. But you can also do cooperative care and do your grooming at home, mm-hmm. a lot of yes. it. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do. You don't have to do anything just because they're the professional and they say. And the trainer or anyone, really, you should ask why. Yes. You know, why? why? If something's going on and you're like, I don't understand that, ask why. And if the why makes sense to you, okay. But go with your gut and don't be afraid to ask why. And right. don't be and afraid to find another another person that jives better with you. Exactly. It's it's just remember that you need to be thinking, will my animal feel comfortable in this situation? If your gut is telling you no, then keep looking. Yeah, I love that. So that's super important. And I think people get really intimidated by professionals, you know. Absolutely. And- They're like there, they have the certifications sometimes. And, you know, <laughs> they, they, they must know what they're doing, but really nine times out of 10, they don't. And I, I think advocating for them really helps. Yeah. I love that. Um, do you have a, advice for people giving unsolicited advice? Ooh, are we talking unsolicited, like training advice or health advice or just general? I mean, all of the above because <laughs> people will walk if you're saying oh no you know we're doing this like very often people will be like well with my dog blah 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 or my trainer says or blah 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 blah. Uh, you know i sometimes they think that's just opening up to have a conversation it's like "Eh, that's not what i'm here for i feel like i'm just very passive with that kind of stuff and a little like okay mm -hmm, yeah sure but I feel like when people try to give me training advice, a lot of times they don't know I have a training background. So then they try to tell me how to do training or suggestions. And I'm just like, okay, that's nice. (laughs) And I just let it go over my head because I'm like, I am not going to try and tell you that that is so not right for your dog. Um, I've had situations where I, you know, have my puppy and people are like, oh, just bring her to the bar. It'll be fine. She needs to get used to being around people. And I'm like, "Mm, no, that's flooding and my dog will be traumatized. And so I just say, oh, no, it's fine. I'm going to leave her at home. We'll meet you guys there. But I think just learning to brush things off and not really pay much attention. And if people try to dive into it and just be like, oh, great that worked for your dog but yeah I I I don't think there's a way to really say like no that doesn't work because then you're just you're setting yourself up to get into a huge rabbit hole of a conversation that you probably don't want to get into yeah this is great advice I think just to (laughs) not engage because and it's let's say online as well oh god a lot of unsolicited or misinformation. There's so many professionals online, and I put air quotes on the professionals. So, yeah, honestly, it's probably a waste of your energy to try to convince someone otherwise. So, yeah, if someone I love it. comes on and they're just like, well, I did this with my dog, and it's like, well, that's great. You did that with your dog, and that worked with your dog. Yeah. 
moving on. Absolutely. I have one more scenario before we go, because I'm sure there's more, but this is uh, the nightmare scenario for everyone. And that's an unleashed dog or dogs approaching. Yes. Okay. So it does, we got to think of the context, of course, of how it could be, but I have had off-leash dogs run up to my little puppy and thank god she is dog social but you know I have had dogs in the past that are not dog social and they have been muzzled and I'm just like no like my dog doesn't like dogs you need to get yours but I think the biggest thing is just I mean again it, it depends on the context but I feel like if you see the dog coming at you and that person is not bothering to run after their dog and you have your dog, the safest way to get out of Dodge is just grab a handful of your treats, throw them far away and get your dog out of Dodge and just go. So that dog can focus on those treats and you can get going. Um, Because if, if the dog's already like, halfway to you and the owner just is like what they're friendly that's what they always say (laughs) i'm like i don't care (laughs) it's not about your dog right and and i and i have to go mine isn't and you can lie and say like they're they don't know i always just go well mine isn't and they'll go mine's contagious right they'll be like oh fido come come and you're just like okay well they're not gonna get their dog here's treats and just yeah. get out of Dodge. But, you know, it it depends on how spicy I'm feeling that day. Because sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I, I always him. I always keep my dog, especially Fern, not my senior boy because he's hyper attached to me. But Fernie, I always keep her on a 30 foot long line. It's just a safety protocol. You know, we are in Oregon. There will be deer, rabbits whenever we pop up sometimes. So I just always keep her on a long line just as a safety protocol so that I can reel her in. And where we take our dogs, they are deemed on leash areas. But of course I let her, you know, do her thing if there is no one around us, but I keep the long line on. And so I'll tell people like, Hey, this is still on leash park. And they'll, you know, they'll be like, no, well, I'm like, your dog clearly isn't good on leash. And again, it depends on my spicy level, but sometimes I'll be like, well, if your dog isn't on voice control, you should really keep them on leash. Yeah, the, <laughs> the laws don't seem to do anything. No. I love to take pictures of dogs running off leash within leash view of, in view of the sign right. that says dogs must be on leash in this park at all times. Um, and it, people just seem to think it's like the best part of having a dog is letting them run off leash. <sighs> it's like their goals in life to let their dog run off leash and they're just like look at them they're just having a good time let them go and you're like oh look it's running to that dog and it's like yeah maybe you should call it (laughs) (sighs) yeah yeah love that but but yeah so the laws don't usually do it we had the reason i added this to the list was we take uh reactive dogs on pack hikes Mm -hmm. and work with them on neutrality and, and things like that and some of them are in muzzles and some of them aren't but most of them are reactive and we take them to a trail that the whole park is on leash. It's it's supposed to, you're never supposed to have your dogs off leash. And they just ran into yesterday, a pack, another trainer walking a pack of dogs all off leash. Oh, God. 
and they're like they saw one dog first and they're like oh there's an off-leash dog and then it's like oh shit there's two or three oh my god it's 15 <gasps> off-leash dogs running towards our pack of reactive dogs and then when the trainer moseys up you know and it's like in a place where it's completely actually against the law for them right. to be off leash. So, uh, I mean, nightmare scenario. I, I, we're going to, we're going to ask people to leave their dogs on leash where it's legally right. they're supposed to. Yes, please. But do we that. know that they won't. <laughs> please just even have a long line on your dog so you can reel them in when they notice another dog so that they don't have to sprint to another dog. Um, one thing I will say, just piggybacking off of all of that, Again, your body language is a clear sign when people, you know, they can get a good view of you and your dog. And, you know, I will grab my long line, get it real. So I like, she's maybe six feet in front of me, get to the side of the trail, have it so that she is on the side where the dog isn't. And I will just try to walk past and make it very clear. Like, I don't want to say hi. My dog doesn't want to say hi. Yeah. And from a training perspective, training an, an emergency U-turn yes. um, where your dog will change direction. Um, and I love the, you know, the strategy, throw a handful of treats. That's not for your dog. That is for the off-leash dog. Hoping yes. they'll go for that instead of your dog. And then you guys get the hell out of Dodge. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Mandy, for joining me today. My biggest takeaways from this conversation are, one, our dogs cannot speak up. And so it's our job to speak up for them and our job to make sure that they always feel safe and secure and they're not being put in situations that are too difficult for them. And two, there are plenty of professionals out there. So if you're trying to work with a professional that does not treat your dog or you the way that you think that you all should be treated, find somebody else. And that is a huge way to advocate for your dog. Thanks for coming to the dojo to learn with me this week. This is your aspiring sensei, Susan Light, signing off. If you'd like to find me, I'm at doggydojopodcast.com or I'm at Susan Light LA on Pinterest, Instagram, and Facebook. The music was written by Mac Light. You can find him at maclightsongwriter.com. If you liked the show, you can support it by subscribing, sharing it with your friends, rating it, and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts. See you in two weeks with another new episode of the Doggy Dojo.